Behind every interesting person is a great story. This is Person of Interest with Natalie Jones. Okay, so when someone tells you they created an app that got 3 million downloads in one day, and also they used to be a pro rollerblader, like in the X Games, and that they got kicked out of school, what do you, like, want to know more? That's exactly what we're doing with this. This is Chris Bergman. We recorded this before everything happened in COVID. So this was recorded, I'm going to say, first week of March. The next week, everything was shut down. I'm just now releasing this. It's still incredibly relevant, but I just wanted to give you guys that heads up. And we drank some Trulies and had a great freaking time. Chris is amazing. He lives here in Cincinnati in OTR, as do I. And we're buddies, man. Check it out. This week's person of interest is Chris Bergman. Did you get some good feedback? Response. And some, yeah. 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 I didn't want it to be too like, oh, woe is me. You know, it was just yeah. like, look, y'all, I've been silent for months. This is why. Let's pick it up. Or yeah. like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Let's go back to being, it just made well, me Well, I think, okay. I think people forget that everyone's human, man. And like there's yeah. human shit going on with everybody. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's so easy to just ignore that or, or, you know, you don't have to be superhuman. Right. It's letting go, so letting much, go of that. Yeah. But and there's so much pressure to be that. Right. Because yes. you're being it for a lot of people and you don't want to. Do you ever feel that pressure? Oh, not anymore. I did. Yeah. Very, like when I was at the height of Tour Monster was really, really bad. My mental health was in a real bad place. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. How yeah. um so many, I, I feel like finding, now the whole thing is like finding the balance between success and um, and mental and, and mental health and well-being mm-hmm. and family success. But I truly don't think it exists because there has to be an imbalance for some sort of um, crazy success to happen because it's yeah. disproportional to the rest of success anyway. That's what right. makes it so great. Well, yeah, I mean, my, my line was always, there's no work-life balance, there's only life. And, yeah. You know, oh, you're so full of great stuff. Yes, that's <laughs> awesome. I'm like, I'm gonna write that down. Um, <laughs> and like, you know, for me, so like, I had to go carve out a lifestyle that really worked well. And now my office is a block from my house, and or not even it's next door. I know. And How long did it take you to do that? To do which part? To carve out a life. Fifteen that years worked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. All right. Roughly. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, of so much. Well, let's talk about it a little bit. Okay. So, um, are we going? Is this? Is this? Yeah, we've okay. been recording since since we got in here. Okay, we'll, great. We'll start it at, <laughs> with someplace. Um, Chris Bergman, I met you on New Year's this past year. Um, a mutual friend that a mutual friend of ours asked us both to me get on the mic and you be the DJ for a party. Mm-hmm. And we had never met each other, mm-hmm. but we started talking afterwards and realized we had so much in common yeah. and our past cross. Yeah. So then we hung out once and then it turned into me like meeting your wife and then it was like an eight hour night. I might I You may ended have cried. up at our house. I did. I in may, our living room. I may have cried and it was like, <laughs> this is amazing. Oh my God. And it turns out it was awesome. And what's great is what I always do, a common theme on person of interest is really dope stories of people of like perseverance and passion which Mm. your story is so full of that so like i feel like our story started from the beginning we had so many mutual friends from all different avenues of life yeah totally you have lived 20 different lives i think i can really relate to that a little bit but i did not get kicked out of high school like you did correct no so you got kicked out of high school i got kicked out of saint x yeah i had a full ride Mm -hmm. and uh and and uh had my i was asked not to come back 
after my freshman year. Oh, you know what? Every year at St. Ursula, they told me, if you don't shape up, we may not ask you to come back. Yeah. They never actually did. There was always yeah. a threat. Yeah. But, you know. Yeah. Well, St. X can act on that threat. Yeah. Well, and they did, did so. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but from what I, so, but from what I know of your story, I feel like that set you on the path for the rest of your life in such a great way. So can I just read off some things that I truly like? Yeah. Number one, you are a pro rollerblader in the X Games. Yeah. I mean, I'm famous because I know you. I know him. <laughs> I love rollerblading. I mean, I can't really say. I always say tongue in cheek, and I always have a pair of used blades around that I yeah. um, that I get into, but you did it mm. for real. It was, um, I mean, I think what was neat about that is I grew up as a nerd, right? Like yeah. big time. And, and mm-hmm. you know, pick last in gym class. Like every stereotype you could think of was exactly my life growing up. And then. I found this sport that I was actually good at, which was a, a huge surprise to me. Like yeah. I didn't, I was unaware that I could be athletic in any way, shape, or form. Were there other things in your life that came as a surprise that you ended up being really good at? I, everything. <laughs> 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 I'm still. I'm like, oh, <laughs> who knew? Um, but it, it, you know, I think what was interesting about that is it really drove curiosity and and kind of validated the the effort that it takes to like dive into something and mm-hmm. see if it's fun and see if it's interesting and see if you are good at it yeah um and you know i remember being like uh, 11 12 years old already having tons of anxiety about who am i going to be when i grow up and like all this pressure yeah, right yeah yeah because yeah. like when you grow up as a smart kid there there's this instant like everyone's like well you're smart you have to do something you mm-hmm. have to realize Knock your potential the middle. yeah yeah exactly and um and so had already felt that anxiety and that pressure and was really worried and um and then found rollerblading of all things. I mean, granted, this is the nineties, like it was the height of mm-hmm. the rollerblading experience. Blade babes. Yeah. Yes. Um and uh and loved it, man. I mean it was it was, you know, it ended up being a, a good way to meet friends and, and be So you friends. you okay, so that was like when you got kicked out of X when you were in, in like a fifteen, right? Yeah. And then so when were you a pro rollerblader? So uh, I got kicked out of X. I got kicked out of my house when I was sixteen. I don't mm-hmm. know if that's in your research or not, but that, yes, that it got is. yeah. Yep. So so that got really tricky, um, and then uh, so I lived with uh, my girlfriend at the time. She was going to Maryland Institute College of Art, so I I, I left and and lived with her for a little bit uh, in Baltimore. I mean the the secret to that story is that that person's now my wife and Yay! <laughs> been my wife for thirteen years. But you know we've known each other for twenty four ish now. You've been along on this road together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is super cool. Yeah, and she was there for me back then, right? Yeah, like, that's what's great. And um, uh, but did that and then had to come home and then moved to California and skated when I was um like eighteen. Did Nick go with you? That's his wife. No. no, so that's that was sort of the last that we we actually lost touch touch for six years, and that was the beginning of that where I moved uh. to San Diego and she lived in Baltimore and lost touch for six years, and then found each other on MySpace. <laughs> yes, and uh, got married four months later. That's awesome. Yeah. See, four months. Wow. Yeah. So I want to ask you about um about ro- rollerblading though. So when you find that you're really good at doing something that you totally didn't know, mm-hmm. I can imagine that that gives you a sense of confidence that can set you up maybe for the rest of your life of like, you really prove to yourself that you can do anything and go to the X Games. Not just win all of the races at your local roller rink, <laughs> That you know that a handful of people go to every year, but you went to the freaking X Games. That's like the Olympics at the time of your sport. Yeah, I mean, I think I, for whatever reason, there's this inherent drive in me to always take it 
as far as it can go. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and that was sort of the that was the goal at the time. I mean, it was amazing. I moved to San Diego, and my roommates were like the guys that were. Their names were like the skate I was wearing, right? It's yeah. like wearing Jordan fours or whatever, right? And, awesome. Um, uh, so that experience was was absolutely incredible, and it was. I mean, it was also a stroke of luck, right? Like it. It turned out that they had an opening at a skate magazine called Daily Bread, and um, I applied to it and got it, and that was enough excuse to get out there. And then once you're out there, you know, you level up so fast because you're around yeah. all the best people. I hear you. Yeah, there's no other way to do it. Yeah. And well, like, and like, you, as humans, we just become a product of the people we're surrounded by. 100. percent And that's what you do. So I think a, I think there's a big part of you that should focus on the people that you surround yourself with. Yes, we don't do yeah. that enough. Yeah. In 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 the world i feel like you just like find people or they like you already knew them for a while or you work with them and like we tend to get lazy about it you know yeah but if you're intentional about it and you can um make time for people that you find important or can teach you something i mean if you look at my my friend group like none of us are alike like we're we're so inc- i mean you know andrew as an example right mm-hmm. like he and i are completely total opposites of humans and and um but I'm always amazed at the wisdom and experience that they can bring to the table and, and just the perspective that I may not have yeah. myself. So collecting those people and keeping them close, I think is really important. Yeah, it's, yeah, mm-hmm. amen to that. It's tough. Uh, at least I've, I've, I have, I find it to be tough because I'm super busy, but I've also like lived everywhere and yeah. I don't know, I'm yeah. spread too thin. Is so what, this is a super shallow be. podcast, right? Like we're not going to talk about deep stuff at all. <laughs> when do I not go deep? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Dear Lord. Um, okay, so so Chris, so then you were a pro skateboarder and then a, a rollerblader. Never pro rollerblader. Oh, whoa, whoa, very I'm sorry. Important. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I don't want to misrep- Blade Babes. Yeah, don't want to misrepresent myself. No, po- <laughs> pro Blade Babes written super big on my thing. Um, and then, so you also, tech is really where you're, where you, my sweet spot. Yes, and where you have spent a lot of your time and have found yeah. even more success. Yeah. So you taught yourself how to code. So you're, soft, you're self-taught everything. Self-taught everything. I actually don't know how to code. This is very important. I think it's important for people to know because they assume wow. that I'm a software engineer. Yeah. I, mean, I can hack stuff. I can uh-huh. break stuff for sure. I'm really good at breaking things. Not just like picking um, up a console and throwing it on the ground. No, but. no. <laughs> breaking code. Mm. Right. Um, but uh, for the most part, I am not a software engineer. I... I um, uh, so while I was skating, I ended up becoming the art director of a skate magazine out there and, and have a design sensibility and a design background, if yeah. anything. And this was sort of, you know, late 90s, early 2000s. So websites were just mm-hmm. beginning to become a thing and, um, you know, happened to be in the right place in the right time to understand how to go design and build and execute um, websites. And I mean, prior to that, I was, you know, when I was 14, I, I was building my own BBSs, which are bulletin board services, which are the precursor to websites, um, and modding my own Doom levels and just kind of hacking around on a computer however I could. But I was in an environment that didn't understand even what a software engineer was, right? So I wasn't in a in a, in a a system where that could be encouraged in a way that, that I could... In magazines? Yeah. No, I mean, growing up as a okay, kid. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. And tinkering with computers as a kid, right? Well, because you're an only child. No. no, 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 you're not. Yeah, I technically I am. Okay, yeah. I'm an only child with seven, seven or eight siblings. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Okay. And seven. S- I had to think about it, but yeah. 
Seven. How many, just real quickly, are they all still in your life? No, none of, no. unfortunately, none of them are in my life, which is a bummer. Um, there are four that live here nearby, somewhere in the Cincinnati area, and then three that live in England that have lived in England my whole life. So I've only met them once or twice. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so, but, so you started in magazines at West, right? Yeah. And then so how did you get into – so fun fact, backstory. I live in a building – in downtown Cincinnati that has a monster painted on it. Yeah. And it turns out the monster is painted on this building because of Chris Bergman's um, app and business that he started years ago called Chore Monster. Correct. Which is, Chore Monster, is Chore Monster still around? It is not. In no, activity? no, yeah, yeah. it is not. So um, it was picked up and uh, and the company that picked it up uh Ended it. <laughs> but it did at one point have like 300 million chores were done. Yeah, we um, we had 4 million users on it, um, all told, roughly. And then I think we broke 800 million chores completed, I believe. Whoa, dude. Yeah. And at one time you had 3 million chores done in one day. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. Congratulations. Cool. Thanks. That's awesome. Yeah, it was cool. It was, it was a lot of fun, for sure. So how did you start? Which we're really jumping around here. Wait, so how yeah. did you start? How did you start this app? So let's go, let's go, because I've told this story a million times. I'll just tell it and then you pick it apart after. Okay. How about that? Yes. (laughs) I was trying to avoid you telling the story. You've done so long, but like, we we just have to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just easier chronologically, right? So, um, yeah, grew up, grew up here in Cincinnati, got kicked out of my home, uh, never finished high school, moved to California, became a pro rollerblader, ended up at uh, Skate Magazines, uh, flipped that magazine into an ad agency which was really my first taste of entrepreneurship and in business in general mm-hmm. um, to actually make something profitable. Uh, moved back uh, home a few years later, became essentially a freelance graphic designer um, uh, doing whatever for the most part. Yeah. And uh, until um, started doing websites for people, uh, that grew. Then the app store, and so we started a company called Wiseacre Digital where we were building websites for uh, pretty big brands. And then the app store launched we were very first in market on making apps for people. So we made apps for Maker's Mark, Sam Adams, New Balance Shoes, Harris Casino, like like building wow, apps yeah, for a yeah. bunch of those big brands. And then uh, my wife got pregnant with our first child, and that's where the idea of Chore Monster came from. And uh, really just genuinely thought that was going to be a side project. Uh, entered the brandery in 2011, um, came out of that with a seed round of like 750000 I think. And, uh, and it just went gangbusters. We had no idea it was going to grow like that. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. So yeah. then, Chore Monster happened. Yeah. And then, so Chore Monster is an app where kids, um, it's an interactive app, interactive app where kids can do actual chores in their home and win things on the app for it. Yeah. So parents um, set up real life rewards that the mm-hmm. kids can redeem, like an hour of Xbox, television show, canoe trip. And then on top of that, for every chore that a child completes, they get a ticket to the Monster Carnival, where they can earn over a hundred different interactive monsters. Um, or get a consolation prize like a jar of farts, dirty underwear, stinky socks. I like the jar of farts yeah. a lot. Yeah. And so like during during this time, you said is when stuff got super crazy. Yeah, for right? sure. You were, yeah. we were for for a hot second there. We were talking about um, mental health. Yeah. And you just said it was it was nuts. Yeah. I mean, I'm you know I've I've always had a, a hard time with depression and anxiety and and suicidal thoughts since I was a kid. Um, you know, grew up in a very volatile home. So I'm sure that was part of it. But uh, when Tremonster was at its height and there was all this pressure to to be successful was when it hit. I mean, it hit to the point that my wife, um, I don't think she would mind me sharing this, 
uh, my wife had a um, system in place where if I was feeling those feelings, like I had to give her a call and she would drop anything and, you know, yeah. come be with me or figure out what I need and make sure I was in, in a good spot. Talk about ultimate support. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you think that your kids in your life has influenced your work life and the products that you put out starting? Um, I mean, Monster? I think what was interesting is Chore Monster was the result of my own upbringing, actually. Mm-hmm. So I was in a very, um, very blue collar family and, and we had to do chores and, and I got in trouble a lot. And, and it, so it, it was actually built from the kids' perspective, not the parents' perspective. Um, and and giving kids a voice and making them like really focusing on positive reinforcement. One of our big flags that we planted is there's no negative reinforcement in the app allowed um, and really gave kids an, uh, sort of this identity or, or uh, identity is not the right word, but but feeling of control that they, they understand what's happening in their home, right? Like, mm-hmm. like you can have a home that is extremely chaotic, but if you have some sort of system of rules that is consistent, right, kids understand – how to operate within that system. A lot of bad parenting or parenting that that's challenging comes from the fact that they're it's inconsistent behavior from the parents. Yeah. And so the kids don't they don't know how to respond. They they don't, you know, I mean you you understand what gravity is. You understand if if you let go of something it's going to drop and fall. And so um kids are constantly looking for systems and and rules just to understand how to operate. Yeah. And when parents take that away or are inconsistent about those things, it becomes super difficult for the kid to understand how to be successful in that environment. So, you know what I really like about you is that you're the first person I know of some people in tech, you know, I don't know a whole bunch of people in Silicon Valley, but, yeah, I, but sure. I've met some, you know, but you use, re- you really wanted to make a difference and you use real life methodologies like you just explained but like that comes with so much care and love behind it yeah and you made it into something that was a real success that people actually used in their life like yeah. a, like a tangible success it was sex it was successful for everyone yeah everyone who used it yeah which is the coolest fucking thing and you're a pro rollerblader i just love <laughs> your story so much like i just think i think that's so amazing and you have two kids yourself guy and lee and yeah. they're like it's super fun ages with how old are they now eight and five eight and five yeah. oh my god super fun yeah oh dang yeah we have a blast and so where did you so troll monster happened here and then that took you back out west for a little bit yeah so disney invested in it and so we had to go to um la for about a year or so and then i actually split time between here and la for the rest of uh, True Monsters existence for the most part. We had an office at Walt Disney Studios where we did a lot of stuff out of there. They were our biggest partner. They were our biggest customer. Mm-hmm. So it definitely became where kids could earn whatever new Disney character came out. They could they could earn that on True Monster as well. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. How was it? So you've told me before that you've met Mr. Iger. Yeah. How? He's so handsome. How is he? he, like, he like he's like butterfly handsome? Strikingly handsome. Really? Yes. Like it's, uh, yeah. It's, Funny, but what is it that makes him handsome? Is he just a pretty face or can you tell that he walks with it's just an this air charisma, of knowledge? Man. Wow. Okay. It's, I mean, it really, it really truly is because he got to start as a news anchor and you can even see it. You can see it all there, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah. Incredibly kind uh, person, which was surprising to me. You know, you never know. I mean, especially when you're somebody that's just trying to make apps with farting monsters, you never know what you're <laughs> going to get into when you when you start working with big corporations and and how they operate. And it's extremely intimidating and scary and yeah. and overwhelming. And um, to have him come in and be so kind, we actually, my second son was born, and then uh, I actually left the hospital, flew to L.A. to have my first meeting with Iger, 
flew back the next day and then picked up my family. So Lee was two days old, three days old. Wow. I think it was four days old. Um, uh, And then flew the whole family back out to have my next meeting with, with Iger. So that's insane. Yeah, it was fun, man. It was cool. But at the same time, so you were surprised that he was so nice yeah. and kind. Yeah. I mean, you hear all these horror stories about LA and the entertainment industry mm, and, mm-hmm. and those kind of things and definitely ran into that um, later on. But like at but, the executive level, I mean, everyone is, you know, there's a reason that they're the executive. At exactly. Disney. I was going to say, I feel like, feel like that's a, that's a common thread for people who are really successful Yeah, is you have to be kind and, always pay it forward and yeah. treat others legitimately how you want to be treated and treat people like they're your own kids and your own kin and yeah. your moms. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And if you keep that homeostasis within you, then like, then great, great, greatness just comes. It sounds so um, naive, but I feel like it's not at all. No. You know? And I mean, I, you know, you, you, you get tempted as you get more successful to deter from that. Right. And different, mm-hmm. different shapes or forms. And, and I think ultimately coming back to, well, this is this is how I want to operate in the world, and that's that's sort of my north star. And then everything else can kind of fall into place. Yeah. Outside of that, it's it's just much more freeing. It is, isn't yeah. it? Oh man, have there like throughout this time, have there been any decisions? When I say this, like, is there are there one or two that that come into your mind immediately that were incredibly difficult for you? Um, man, yeah, of course, a ton. Um. Ones that I want to talk on a podcast, not necessarily. <laughs> Heard. Okay. Um, yeah. I. I mean. Uh, I think. I mean, an easy one is when you, you know, especially when you're running a startup, the team is extremely tight knit and very close, and um, there's times where you the, the closeness of the team doesn't correlate with how the company needs to grow. And so yeah. you you got to let people go. You have to, and that 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 never, 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 never feels good, or is a, a good feeling. Never gets easier. Never, man. Yeah. So there are some things in life that really just don't get easier. Yeah, and you're the guy that has to do it. And yeah, you, you know, you have to make the decision. And um, has there been anything in your journey thus far, which we'll we will go back to because we were only halfway through, um, <laughs> that has really stumped you? Um, daily. Oh, mm. also good to know. Really? Yeah. I mean, there's always challenges that I don't have answers for. I've always been really good about having a group of mentors around me that I can ask questions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have a tendency to do things that I've never done before. And so when that's the case. Risk taker, eh? Yeah, a little bit. And um, when that's the case, you need to have people that have experience that you can go ask and be like, hey, man, like, I'm fucking this up in these three different ways. What's the least way to fuck this up moving forward? Nice. Yeah. And how do you keep your mind about it? Yeah. So what mo- what motivates you? I have no idea. I have no idea. All right. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure trauma. Yeah. Um. <laughs> pain. pain. I would say pain and anger. Yeah. A lot of the times. <laughs> yes. Um. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I, I have no idea where the drive, I really, truly, I just, it sounds so dismissive. Um. But I've always just tried to like, make cool shit and have fun doing it yeah and that just ended up working out that was you know what i mean like like it was well people don't realize that you really can do that for your life yeah like similarly my life has been dope (laughs) like it's been great i mean most of the time you know there have been times where i slept in my car or whatnot you know but for the most part it was i i mean it was always 
Wonderful. Like the, the the hardest part about it was me overcoming my own issues in my mind that I made up. Yeah, you your know? own insecurities, your own fears. Um, you know, I I had I mean when I moved back here to do what I'm doing now was a big decision for mm-hmm. me and my family. And that was very much like, well, I could do this and continue to make tons and tons of money and yeah, I'm impacting people, but at a very minimal level. Um or I can just go start over and do what I want to do and go back to living in a tiny apartment in OTR. Mm-hmm. And um, and it's it's been the best decision that we've made thus far, I think. So do you feel like you're starting over? No, that's not. I mean, I'm cheating a little, right? Yeah. Like, like <laughs> you, you have a little bit of a head start. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And like years and years of experience yeah. is like the most part, you know, <laughs> because your journey took you from bouncing back and forth from here to L.A. to New Jersey. Mm hmm. Yeah. New York area, Morristown, New Jersey. And what yeah. were you doing? What were you doing there? So I was head of product for um, Verizon Smart Family, which is their parental control product. Um, which, uh, so if you as a parent have a child that uses a Verizon phone, you could go and say these websites are okay, these websites aren't. You get you know thirty hours or thirty minutes of phone time, that kind of stuff. Gotcha. So for all kids and teenagers listening and you have these parental you have these parameters on your phone and you're mad about it you can email Chris right yeah. and air your grievances uh yeah sure I'll take I'll take the hit <laughs> <laughs> and everyone else thank you and yeah. you're welcome I, yeah. I mean yeah <laughs> there's likely uh the people that would have grievances have probably figured out ways around it I'm sure yeah yeah uh, obviously yeah um well but even still again with with this this is you're keeping kids in mind in the future of humanity and like yeah, being absolutely. a good influence mm-hmm. yeah and, and i mean digital behavior and teenagers is um i think should be more at the forefront of mm-hmm. people's minds and it isn't um you know and seeing the way that they behave i think what's what was fascinating to me um as i was doing that is realizing how innovative um 13 year olds can be when it comes to uh you know, like how they, uh, how they, how they're circumventing sort of all the restrictions and like finding ways to still connect with their friends and like yes. doing it. And you, you, it becomes very clear what their priorities are, which is their friend group and the things that they love to do. And mm-hmm. they will, they will hack it until they get it right. And so seeing all that happen was always fascinating to me. And I always had like very, very much had a, uh, um, an endearment for, <laughs> For that crowd, for sure. Well, it goes to show you, like, just yeah. how capable human beings so, are. Yeah. And, and like, I mean, I think you proved that to yourself as a young teenager. Yeah. That you really are capable of doing so much. And if you want something bad enough, no matter who you are, how old you are, like, you can and will make it happen. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. I once, just as an off-topic, like, heard a TED Talk about a guy who was trying to teach kids in Africa how to do something in English. And so he set up a TV monitor in a wall of a classroom mm-hmm. that only spoke and did everything in English. And somehow the kids ended up like learning English and learning how to do whatever said project was in a very short period of time. And these kids are like in the second grade. Yeah. And it's like, it just, it'll, it will just happen. I think we underestimate human ingenuity. Agreed. In general. Like, I'm very curious to see how behavior changes over the next six months with everything that's going on. Does that, with with corona and everything yeah. right now, coronavirus is crazy. Um, talking about going back to digital parameters on kids and stuff, does it scare you having two children? So we're, I mean, we're um, a tech-friendly family. Mm-hmm. Our kids have had unlimited screen time since they were born. 
Um, they've had their own iPad since they were born. Um, and that's worked really well for us. I don't prescribe that to every single family. Mm-hmm. But um, for me, our big goal is self-moderation and teaching self-moderation. And so yeah. um, teaching kids how to moderate themselves as opposed to us doing it for them. Um, yeah. Yeah. And we've, you know, we've been lucky in that that they've they've definitely been very receptive to that, which is great. I mean, this past weekend, my, the, all three of us, me and the two boys, played Sea of Thieves for probably a grand total of 10 hours and just had an absolute ba- blast sailing the seas together digitally, mm-hmm. right? I mean, yeah. it was so much fun. So on one standpoint, um, very tech-friendly household. That said, there's a lot of – I mean, I think the scary stuff isn't necessarily in relation with how they interact with and digital components in any way, shape, or form, mm-hmm. but how that how how privacy is changing and AI has sort of figured out facial recognition and yeah. you know sort of those those aspects of it that we we can't control. Like mm-hmm. we're not in any position to control as individuals, right? I mean, yeah. I think we can control it at a government level. If the government was more informed, I think we could control it, you know, in different ways. But like for a single person they're not going to they're going to have to learn to live in an, an environment where that's the normal facial recognition is normal and so the sooner that they can understand that and m- modify their choices based on that truth i think the the better equipped they're going to be it's a really good way to put it i don't have any kids but i'm yeah. terrified for when i hypothetically do have kids and yeah. they become teenagers in 20 years yeah. right <laughs> Because everything you just said, I don't adhere to, and I'm still, I'm not fighting it, but mentally I have a block. And like, man, this is just so disappointing. Or like, I don't know what to, to me it seems overwhelming. I'm more of a Luddite. What seems overwhelming? Like what in particular? Um, Technology in general. I'm more of a Luddite brain, and I would like to just ignore it all and be outside. And just not worry about it. But you can't, I don't. But when you go outside, there's going to be 65 different cameras that catch your face and tell you exactly where, or tell somebody exactly where you are. Exactly. Well, I mean, the good news is you're probably not important enough for it to matter. No, I mean, take. Outside of Pampers, like they'll know before you're pregnant, right? Like, yeah. 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 She's ovulating. Yeah. We'll see. Um, Yes. And I don't, um, I guess I feel like it's all too, it's so distracting from things. I don't that don't bring me enough joy totally and spend a lot of time on it so I, you're self-selecting your energy essentially right? yeah and where you put that energy and what you what your concerns are yeah and the and the, the state of children and health in america and how much mm-hmm. we're all moving our bodies you know i feel like i'm like constantly fighting that and i feel like we should be prioritizing that that a lot as well yeah and and a lot of times it doesn't you just stick so many times i just see other people stick monitors in front of some kid's face and they're not doing anything and these kids have poor energy and um, skill sets in the world and nutrition, et cetera, et cetera, which is, that's obviously not everybody, obviously right. not your family, you know, but I see that all too often and, but as somebody who doesn't have kids. So I can imagine being there and having to make those decisions. To me, I'm already stressing out about it and getting worried <laughs> and like, I don't know what I would do. I mean, I got lucky. I think I, you know, I grew up watching t- TV constantly. Mm-hmm. Nickelodeon was like on twenty four seven. Dude, same. House. I guess Nickelodeon MTV. Yeah, Where like I, I mean, we consumed all the same. We, I believe, we consume the same amount of media that yeah. our kids do. They just get better choices. 
Like we had a few channels and then whatever came through that channel is what we were digesting. Yeah. Right. Um, my kids, they can jump from Netflix to Hulu to Amazon and they get to pick the shows that they want to watch. So they get they actually get more choice than we ever had from that standpoint mm-hmm. and curate themselves. Right. Like they, they they know what's right. They know what's wrong. And so, um, you know, they can spend that time watching something that's not wholesome necessarily, but it's also not so um, it's it's not as detrimental as like us. Like they don't watch ads. My kids don't see ads. I know. Is that good or bad? I think it's great. Yeah. What do you mean? Why is that not like they're not getting like we got force fed whatever was cool. On True. MTV, on Nick, you know, on on mm-hmm. those cable channels, well, like those you... cable channels told us what to wear, like how to act. But what don't to you watch. think they still are? Like YouTubers are still doing that now, and ads are just coming at you in a different way. I I think there's truth to that. So I mean, for me personally, like we don't allow YouTube in our in our household. Um, That's so awesome. Well, for our kids, I mean, I watch an exceptional amount of YouTube, but um, our kids don't. I mean, I thought I actually speaking of YouTube. I was waiting to see when you're going to break out the chicken wings, and we were going to have to eat progressively. <laughs> see what's hot, wings. hotter yeah, wings yeah, or not. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, like they, like they're so, and we're against YouTube because, like, I I know enough about specifically about YouTube kids, kids, and how that algorithm algorithm works. That um, I don't trust it mm-hmm. at all. Um, but that's like out. So what we try to focus on is stuff that isn't algorithmically delivered. So things that gotcha. are you personal choice, choice to, to go, you know, watch that, which Netflix definitely has some algorithms on what they show, but is is pretty good about like you as a kid can go find the thing that you want to watch. Mm. Um, uh, Hulu's great. Um, like Lego Masters is on Hulu right now. We watch that as a family, which is a, just a killer show. It's a reality show about building Legos. It's amazing. Oh, oh, I've seen it, yes. Yeah. Wait, no, I've not seen it. I've seen the ad for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And we do ad-free Hulu. Like, so we'll pay. We'll pay the money yeah. to, for the kids not to see the ads. I definitely think it's worth it. Um, as a grown adult who went my entire adult life without owning a TV, but you don't need a TV anymore, and you haven't needed one since I moved out of Correct. my parents' house. But for a lot of, a lot of that time, I didn't have a um, computer either. Yeah. And just either, like, lived on the beach or, on the, or in the mountains and lived... Just really simple, small life. You're such a hippie, dude. So I know, dude. Now, <laughs> anyway, um, and now you're surrounded by I technology. Know, it is insane. Like, yeah. You know what's really funny is so when I got this job, and I told all of my friends in who aren't here, you know, and they were like, number one, what the fuck, yeah. <laughs> and number two, like, what kind of things are you gonna be talking about? And I'm like, you know, like pop culture, like the Kardashians and like the Jonas Brothers, and everyone said, who are those people? <laughs> and I'm like, I just had to find out. So I've just been living these in these secluded little places, which I also though, but there's a point to that. It's like living these in these secluded little towns is not going to bring you. Um, I mean, it brought me a lot of joy, and I was limited mm-hmm. to the to very very limited job wise of what I could do and how much money I can make, totally. and I wasn't living the life that I wanted really to like monetarily wise because mm-hmm. I because of my you need options. gas to f- fuel your fires, man. Exactly, you yeah. know. So there, there, there's there's give and take to it all, mm-hmm. and um, but as someone who lived away from from all media for a long time Mm -hmm. and then came back to it. Now I love commercials and media campaigns and ads. Like I love them. I just will watch a commercial and be like, isn't that just hilarious? Oh my God. They did such a good job. Yes. (laughs) 
exactly how I feel like. Nancy from marketing <laughs> really nailed it. <laughs> I will legit laugh out loud and talk about it and no yeah. one knows what I'm talking about. Oh my gosh. But you, I mean, anyway, I think there's but, a benefit. Like once you're, you know, we, I mean, our tour monster was monetized solely through ads and yeah. branded campaigns. So I think once you, once you're in it and you sort of understand the process a little mm-hmm. bit and the, lift the curtain, it's a lot easier to see when something's an ad and see when it's being presented yeah. to you in that way. Well, speaking of which, so so many free ads that we have, I mean, free apps, I've, um, are all of them funded by advertisements? No, not necessarily. I mean, you have um, so in-app purchases is probably the the main driver of revenue for those mm. those type of ads. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, advertising in apps is has gone down significantly, and um, because you can't get the conversion rates that you used to be able used to be able to get. I mean, when we started <laughs> when we started Chore Monster, we were you know the app store was only a couple years old. We were one of the first like. We were one of the first family apps ever on on the app store, so and cool. so so it was, we were able to leverage that to to do some unique things that I think today would be really difficult to do. Awesome. So what are you doing today? So today I am the founder and CEO of Guyly Games. We uh, we make video games. Video games. So Guyly, the name comes from his two kids, Guy and Lee. And did you know I don't know anything about video games? Even when video games are cool, when I was a kid, mm-hmm. I guess I just it's just never been my thing. Yeah. But like a couple years ago, so this statistic blew my mind. In 2018, $137 billion alone was made in the gaming industry, and that is more than music and movies combined. That's my favorite stat. I I love that stat. Love that so much. And also, like, what life am I leading? Like, who are these people? I feel like I know a lot of people, mm-hmm. and like, I don't know anyone other than you who makes video games. <laughs> yeah. But I'm like, where are all these people? And like, how is this? This is a whole new world I knew I knew nothing about. Yeah, I mean, I think, well, one, you probably do know gamers. They just don't identify as gamers, mm-hmm. right? There's a lot of people that are playing Madden or FIFA or, you know, I mean, even yeah. Call of Duty, and they still wouldn't call themselves a gamers. Or on the flip side of that, there are a bunch of people that are playing mo- casual mobile games uh, religiously, like, mm-hmm. um, like- uh, and you, like, Candy Crush or, or words Kingdom with Rush, friends. words with friends, um, and you wouldn't consider them a gamers, but the, a gamer. But that's gaming revenue for sure. Okay, I didn't even think about all of that. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, it's, so it's a massive market from that standpoint. I mean, you know, I, the Fortnite makes two hundred eighty million dollars a month, right? That's insane. Um, I, I I think I think it's just you're just not around that group of people and mm-hmm. that's okay there's nothing wrong with that that's yeah. mostly middle schoolers probably and mm-hmm. you know <laughs> hypothetically <laughs> um that's the bulk of that revenue at least mm-hmm. and um yeah i mean it's 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 the world's largest entertainment industry which is um awesome i mean i've been playing video games since i was eight years old since the nintendo came out how do you like what do you think is a common thread in in the gaming industry between like being on playing games on your phone on your tablet on your whatever what do you think is the common thread that humans enjoy from it dopamine okay is this does yeah that i mean i mean it's yeah, yeah a, ga- a gameplay loop is is about creating dopamine bursts in the brain right so mm-hmm. you want to re- create reward systems as quickly as possible for people um, but I mean, even before even before video games existed, people were playing tag or they were. I mean, football's a game, true, right? Like, yes, sports are games. Um, and so, when you were a kid, what was your favorite game to play? 
Um, my favorite, actually, uh, somebody asked me this today. That's funny. Uh, my favorite game was Final Fantasy VII growing up, and they actually the remake is coming out soon, and they just did. PlayStation just released a demo of the remake, and I played it two days ago, and it's amazing. Is it good? Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. Um, and what about now? Yeah, and then oh, and then I was a Street Fighter, a competitive Street Fighter player as a kid. That's I did. Yes, I did yeah. read that, and still a competitive Street Fighter player. Street Fighter Four. Don't mess with me on Street Fighter Five. No, it was Street. Okay, on. which one is Street Fighter? Like with Raul and um, <laughs> they got the arms. Ryu. Oh, is that? Oh, yeah. No, you're talking about Dalsim. Yes, correct. Yes, yes. Yeah, you're you're in the right lane. You're in the All right, right cool. lane. Cool. So do you yeah, go to like 16 yeah, yeah. bit now and like hustle people yeah, on the side? Uh, yeah. There's the, yeah. <laughs> I try to. <laughs> so um, whenever you're around that game, it's like everyone's yeah. like back up. Back um, up. except for Andrew Salzbrunn. He's he gloats constantly. He like if if I'm around anybody, he he will not hesitate to tell the story about how me, he beat me in Street Fighter one night. And I submit that. Three of the buttons were broken, <laughs> but that doesn't fly. I recently took my nieces. It's like on Sundays you can take kids to this bar and over there on and play all these old school games. Yeah, and um, we took our we took we took our nieces. I took my nieces and her parents yeah. were there as well, whatever. And so me and my one niece Lila were playing Street Fighter. Yeah, and I just kept saying. Just press the buttons yeah. and like move the thing, and, and she kept doing that, and she beat so many kids. Yeah, totally. And she's like four, and she kept looking at me like, "And now we give me a pretzel." Yeah. And like, so for me, so I grew up in arcades, right? Mm -hmm. And um, I would skip like the Northgate Mall arcade. Did you ever go literally, to that one? Literally, the Northgate Mall arcade. Yes, that that, one that is particular awesome. arcade. So I would skip school, and we would go there and play mm -hmm. Marvel vs. Capcom two. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's how I met friends was was in arcades. We'd have to go. And, and socialize and, and meet people that way. And like yeah. the reality is today, that's still how a lot of kids make friends. They get out, they hop online, they find players that they like to play with that they meet literally through Discord. They've never actually met them. Mm -hmm. And that's how they build their friend groups. Um, and, and I just think that's, there's something so special to me about video games and how, and the social groups that can sort of solidify around either a particular game, like through fandom or, uh, a competition, a tournament, esports, those kind of things. Yeah. Like I see for me, when I look at video games, I see it as a catalyst for friendship as opposed to um, something that that brings people apart or take, uh, divides people. Wow. Yeah. And wow. And that's, I mean, that's your saving grace. You put that energy into anything and that's, yeah. And that's what you're going to create, what you have created. Yeah. Oh my goodness! I'm on the opposite side, yeah. and I think that just because we're different people, we're, we live life differently. Yeah, you know? never been. I think it's because I don't like doing things I'm not good at, and I'm really bad at video games. And <laughs> I'm, I'm bad also at video really, games too. Really yeah, bad at yeah. basketball. You're not really anyone, bad. <laughs> anyone who plays video or anyone who makes video games tends to be bad at video games. Which really is pretty funny. Yeah. What a fun. Yeah, I'm bad fun at my own video game. What a fun fact. Yeah. Well, the one you're working on now, I love are Ninja Cheerleaders from Space. Correct. Yeah. So it's called Ra Ra Boom. Mm -hmm. It's a four player co op beat 'em up meets Bullet Hell. It's very similar to like Ninja Turtles or X Men if you play those at 16 bit. So you're moving left to right. It's mm -hmm. um, all hand animated 2D animation. Yeah. Um, and it's about four four cheerleaders from outer space. Do you was this your concept? Yes. Do you love making video games? Yes. How does how do these ideas come to you? Um, so Ra Ra Boom is really interesting, man. I just like the the phonetics just hit me one day back in 2008. Mm -hmm. And uh, I love the phonetics of it, so I bought the URL then. Mm -hmm. And then the game sort of came out of 
the term like what is a ra- what is rah rah boom? And it's like oh well, it's cheerleaders that blow stuff up. It's awesome. Yeah. Reminds me of that um, what was that? What was that? That group um, that had the song "Kill Kill" or "Real Real," and the album cover was cheerleaders. I'm, s- I'm so lost. I know. I'll I'll show it to you, yeah. and it'll 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 all make sense. I believe that. So, what's next for you? <laughs> um, I mean, we still have a year and a half on this game, so mm-hmm. long production cycle. Um, we're starting to. We just launched our internship program. So, one of the things that's interesting about Guy Lee Games, uh, specifically being positioned in Cincinnati, is there are six universities um, within a hundred mile radius that have game development programs. Mm. And we're the only studio within that radius. So um, we actually just rented uh, or leased a new office space that was three times the size of our old space. So we could bring on interns and and give them a place to go, one, work on their game, work on our game, be a part of game development in general. And, um, And so we're kicking that off really, really soon. I'm very excited about that. And we're working with Miami, UC, Shawnee State, NKU, um... Cedarville, one other one that I can't I can't think right now, but mm-hmm. um, you know it's it's uh, that's been really neat to sort of grow that. I mean, you know, we want Guyly. The upside of Guyly Games in particular is I purposely haven't taken any venture capital. Um, venture capital is really positioned to grow a company and then exit that company, and that's that's kind of the game plan for for venture capital. And so with this, we only took private equity and. Because I want to grow it um, to hundreds of people and and really really blow it out and build it out as as a place in Cincinnati where people who want to come make games can come make games. Nice. And are you the only gaming house in Cincinnati? Yeah, that's pretty yeah. cool. Professional. I mean, there's there's uh, I, I I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about um, IGDA, which is the International Game Developers Association. So the Cincinnati chapter, I actually started. You in tw- started, yeah, 2014. Um, and now there's uh, a couple guys. Uh, that that do just a killer job of running it, um, but it has 500 members currently. So there's people making games independently here in town for sure. Um, but we're we're uh, as far as I know the only uh, capital backed game studio that's that's bringing stuff to market on PC and console. Right. So would you mind doing? Can you, will you do me a favor? Yeah. Okay. Will you close I mean, your... maybe. Okay. Well, yeah. you already said yes, so <laughs> you have to do it now. Will you close your eyes, right? Yeah. yeah. So, Chris Bergman, how old are you? 38. You're only 38? Jesus, fuck. All right. So, you're going right, to... Let's hypothetically say you live for 30 more years. Mm-hmm. What does that look like to you? <sighs> um, my kids have kids? Can I, can I open my eyes to yeah, talk? Yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> I feel like it's easier to map out dreams when you're... Yeah, no. Um, my kids have kids? Um, you know, they're thriving. I, I think that's sort of number one on the list for me. Um, you know, hopefully Guiley's grown to four or five, six hundred people and we have multiple games and we're publishing other people's games and, and that's going really well. Um, and I'm kind of just doing the same exact thing that I'm doing right now. Yeah. Yeah. Found the sweet spot. Yeah. Took a long time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I would say it took fifteen. Well, it took fifteen very active, active trying years. Yeah, for where, sure. I mean, like they weren't necessarily very hard for you, but you you've actively been trying to figure out the best life avenue for yourself. Yeah, for sure. Which is great. Yeah. Chris Perman, thank you very much. Hey, happy to be here. Yeah. Is there anything else that you would like to mention? Please, right now is the time. <laughs> Follow me on Twitter. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. so what's your Twitter handle? Uh, Chris Bergman. At Chris Bergman. At Chris Bergman. You're funny, too, on the twi- Oh on yeah, the, on the tweets. I don't pay attention to tweets, but yeah. I do um have it, and it like will pop up, and it was, I was like, oh, yeah, okay, hey, that's funny. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I kind of use it to just do non-sequitur thoughts for mm. the most part, but mm-hmm. and then engage with people, which I, I really like to do. Right. Yeah. At Chris Bergman with Guyly Games. Yeah. And thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. Word. This was great. Good. Are you feeling, are you feeling good about it? Yeah. Totally, man. This is great. Thank you so much. And it's like not... Okay, wasn't that rad? I just love talking to people that really spark my interest, and I hope you guys like it as well. If you want to get to know Chris a little bit better, follow him on Twitter at at Chris Bergman. That's C-H-R-A-S-B-E-R-G-M-A-N. He's the founder of Guy Lee Games and also Chore Monster, and you can Google all of his stuff, and he is very... His story is all over the internet. And he's a rad guy. If you see him in the streets, say hello. Have a good day, babes. This has been Person of Interest with Natalie Jones. 